Michigan sports. Red Wings, Lions, Tigers, Pistons, Michigan, Michigan State, and the list goes on. And you love beer. Love beer. Who doesn't? What if we mixed the two together? This is State of My Sports. We'll talk everything Michigan sports like only we do, and then we'll down our fair share of beer from a local brewery. Grading the beer throughout the episode, so pop a cold one on your end, and we'll get busy on ours. This is the state of my sports. And this is episode 174, recording live on Thursday. Thursday? This must, this has to be our first ever, first time ever recording on a Thursday. Um, we're recording live on September 22nd, 2022. Uh, once again, we have a football-packed episode breaking down the Lions' win, Wolverines' win, and the Spartans' loss. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about a little around the league of the NFL, um, and also do our, our picks against the spread in our betting hero segment. And like we always do, we'll we'll uh, drink and, and review a, a Michigan beer here uh, tonight. We're drinking from Lost Art. Lost Art right down the road. Good good group of guys there. We're drinking a couple of their beers. We got a IPA, we got Oktoberfest, so um, that'll be that'll be interesting, you know, mixing it up a little bit, but we got two of them. That's always exciting. Um, if you're joining us live on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter or Twitch, uh, let us know what you're sipping on tonight and and be part of the conversation. Let us know your opinion on all the topics and tell us about the all your thoughts on the Lions, Wolverines and Spartans. This is going to be I just love football season. Football season's the best. It's just such a e- like. I didn't even have to like change anything other than like just the number of episode we're on, basically. And then I just kept everything else the same. It's pretty nice. Yeah, we're gonna have some football packed episodes here. I think for <laughs> yeah, a couple of weeks, that's... which is a good change of pace. Yes, there's uh, obviously plenty to talk about. Plenty happening. Big stories, shockers across you know all levels of football right now. Oh yeah. And it's just crazy how busy life gets when you got. Two, three, four days of football to watch. Right <laughs> at the end of every week, yeah. on top of everything else going on. I am a little nervous recording here on Thursday because we got a, a football game to watch. It's like, man, I might, I might like this a little too much. And this is a big game too. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you you know, got it's, the, I know it's early in the season. Rivals. Yeah, division and yeah. two teams that might have to like win this game, you yeah. know, to have a chance to make the playoffs. No, it's it's going to be good, and I, I don't know, it, it'll be good, but it's. Uh, I'm Sam Waltart. With me today, we got John Dornboss. It's just us here tonight. Yeah. Man, so we were going to record on Tuesday. You got some last-minute plans that you had to take care of, and I, I completely understand. Then, like, Stuck at work. None of the other guys are just like, they're just out for, for a while here, I think. This is going to be interesting, but I appreciate you being here tonight yeah, and, we'll and get, making it work. We, we'll got, get, we got an episode in. Yeah, we'll get some guest fill-ins, too, to yeah, I'm fill sure up we'll, the screen a little bit. We'll you sh- probably get sick of looking at my ugly mug. <laughs> <Right>. anyway, <so. laughs> exactly. We got some different camera angles here inside, you know. It's a little different than usual, but uh, before we jump in, I did want to give a sh- quick shout-out to our sponsors that help keep this thing rolling and free for our listeners. The Hops Brewing Company in Cafe is the official brewery of State of My Sports, and Betting Hero helps us and you get the best promotions available in the sports betting world world um i mean dude we got i kind of want to watch some of this game so let's get right into this episode what do you think yeah let's dive in i mean so quick, let's start quick recap yeah, on the weekend yeah i mean right? do, do you do anything exciting or no i did not get to watch enough football no i will tell you that um and then yeah i got busy you had one uh, job and that was and then 
got busy Sunday <laughs> afternoon, decided to go do the, the orchard visit thing with oh, the yeah. lady friend and, yep. um, you know, that kind of tied up the rest of the day. And I think, honestly, I went to bed at like eight o'clock Sunday night. Did you really? So you didn't I watch didn't, any of Sunday night football? No Sunday night football. was just yeah. kind of watching and keeping up on fantasy, but that was about it. Yeah. So. Well, Sunday night football wasn't that good. So it was the the Bears and Packers. I mean, yeah. it was kind of obvious what was going to happen there pretty early on. So Yeah, nothing too crazy. Nothing. Yeah, so I had, uh, so it was Easton, he turned six on Sunday. Okay. And Big birthday party this weekend? Yeah, so what we did was... So he has hockey every Sunday from from eleven to or from twelve to one, um, but then after that we had around like three thirty. We went to the hockey rink, like the outdoor rink okay. uh, behind Walker. Yep. And he had a bunch of friends over, and and they played played some roller hockey and had a good time there. So I was able to watch the first half, like very dedicated, and then oh, I had yeah. it on in the speaker, like paying attention, and then I had to rewatch. Watch the second half of the Lions game, but good good win for them, right? Man? So, like, yeah, solid game. Uh, it was nice to see them favored and come out ahead. Right? You know, yeah. Well, hitting. the funny thing is, is they were favored all week, and then right before the game started, it went the other way, and they it were actually did. underdog before the game started. Wow. I, yeah. News to me. Yeah. I guess I, I was just listening to the radio going into the weekend. Yeah. That this is the first time it's ever going to happen. And then, yeah. How, classic right? of Las Vegas. <laughs> yeah, to just do that to the just Lions. Just do it to the Lions, right? Exactly. Uh, well, let's get into our, our beer uh, introduction. We're drinking a couple from Lost Art. Um, like I mentioned, Lost Art here in, in Walker. I don't know. Have you ever been there? Oh, yeah. Yeah, you like that? I got to stop by and hit yeah. that food truck up. I heard yeah, those I burgers are amazing. Yet. I got I got to do it. They're actually working on a second truck. I did see they released uh, that. Yeah, that memo that they're gonna. Oh, did they release it? Go, go out on the road with it. Yeah, so they're gonna have go. one like basically stationed at at the brew house, um, constantly because they're just doing so well. So they got to keep it there. Um, but they wanted to bring one, like have another one that they can go to festivals and, and all that kind of stuff. All so. the rallies and stuff. Yeah, yeah exactly. That's pretty, that's pretty cool. Good for them. Yeah, it's pretty awesome. I, I I've yet to try it, but I've heard incredible things about it and i'm just impressed with their beers too i know we did one episode live there and i I think i've been there two other times yeah okay and they're really good at mixing things up over there yeah it's a nice change of pace they're digging into like the the milkshake versions and stuff like like that like a malt brew almost yeah yeah um and I know I tried one earlier this summer and it was amazing yeah it's funny to talk to like brewers because like they don't really like it. <laughs> like they're not a big fan of making those, yeah. but they know that that's what sells. So like, it's like the classic yeah, uh, Budweiser guy. He's <laughs> never gonna touch a seltzer. In his life, <laughs> exactly. you know, kind of the same, uh, same pace. Yeah. So we got. We're gonna start with the, their October Frest, which um, obviously here we are in almost October. Isn't that crazy how it fast is, September's going? Like oh we goodness. we anticipated the NFL all of August. Yeah. And the month went so <laughs> slow. Yeah. It's almost October. Yeah. It's, Perfect it's, beer. It's, it's absolutely insane. And, like, I saw these October beers coming out. I'm like, no, it's too early. It's too early. You see the pumpkin beers, like, it's too early. And all of a sudden here, it's we're in the midst of it. It's it's actually prime time for them. And it, it is what it is. But on the can, basically, they say uh, this traditional German-style lager is filled with rich, flavorful malts and balanced by lightly f- floral hops. Uh, it pours with a glowing orange Oh man, this, this font's hard for me to read. Hues in the glass, is that right? And ex- exudes vibrant Brady, uh, Brady, Brady, uh, malt aroma. Or oh, man, you read it. Aromatics, Aromatics, while finishing crisp and clean. All right. The Lost Art Oktoberfest is the perfect companion to cooler evenings and picturesque autumn days Very, in Michigan. Yeah. So. 
very good beer so far. I, I'm not gonna lie. I'm not a big October Fest fan. This tastes really good to start I'm, it out. I'm not either, but this one I feel like is smoother than most yeah. Oktoberfest beers that I've, I guess like. So uh, it's 5.8 percent alcohol by volume, but like, I don't know. Like I feel like Oktoberfests are very what's what's I don't even know the right word. Is it like, it's not bitter. Very like I, I don't even know, but <laughs> it's they're this usually, one. It, like they're the usually that, strong in that like yeah. pal- that palate taste yeah. that maybe you're not acquired to, and I'm I'm in the same boat. I I don't drink yeah, October beer. The thing beers. that I don't like about usually about Oktoberfest, whatever that is, I I can't pinpoint it. This has less of it and I am a big fan of that that yep. side of it. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So, um good good start and then later on we're going to we're going to dig into uh Star Party. So this is their brand new IPA. They do some really good IPAs. I like their uh um I can't remember their names right now, but they have just a few good IPAs that we really like. So it's Star Party. It's 8.7% alcohol by volume. Uh it's a Pro-Am beer brewed by Paul Aaron's um Double West Coast IPA with Phantasm powder. Wow. I wish I knew what that was, but that's going to, I'm sure it's going to be really good. Sounds very important to a good beer. <laughs> it really does. Um, before we jump into episode 174, I want to remind everyone that the Hops Brewing Company and Cafe is closed for now, but working through uh, their staffing issues and hope to open again uh, for you all soon. Uh, if you are in the West Michigan restaurant community and, and looking to join, uh, join. For a new start in the, in the restaurant business, uh, please reach out to the Hops Brewing Company uh, and see if it's a fit. Uh, we trust that they will be open, be open, and be back and better than ever very soon. The Hops is the official brewery of state of my sports in 2022. And if you uh, just yeah, be ready. Keep keep an eye out. Keep an eye out for information. I think I think they got some stuff brewing for the lack of a better term and no pun intended there but yeah they're working on it they're they're getting there and um yeah just miss miss having them open because i love their taco tuesdays oh man um but as long as we can be there every you know first second tuesday of every month I, i'm all right yeah you know, we'll, we'll make it work but usually you know when, when we got a lot of football to talk about we kind of decided that we'd pass on the the flight topics but a couple big things happened so I want to talk about it recently. In, yeah, yeah. For in, in outside see, of football. Yeah, you know? I'm happy to see this on the show sheet. Um, so the Tigers hired Scott Harris, who was the Giants' general manager, to be their president of baseball operations. Um, what what they're talking about doing is is he's eventually going to hire a general manager, but the upgrade for him to become the president of baseball operations is kind of the the first the first step of of getting the the new general manager in. You know, he's the one that's going to make that hire, but he's going to be the top of the totem pole, basically, when it comes to baseball decisions Decision for the Detroit yeah. for the Detroit Tigers. And look, I, I looked at so he was the he was a general manager for the Giants. Before that, he was with the Cubs. Um, he he's an up and coming. I think he's like what 30, 35 years old. Yeah, very he's young. Young, very up and coming um, star is what is basically what what they're saying about this guy. Um, I don't know if you listened to his press conference, but he's he's very well spoken, um, very calculated with his answers, and I love to hear that. And and he's he seems to be ready to just observe for a while and, and kind of learn um, a lot about what this organization already has and, and what he can use and what he can't. You know what I mean? And I love hearing that. He's not going to like jump in and be like, "It's my, this is what I'm going to do. This is what I'm going to do." No, just settle in, reel in a little bit, and and start learning from the people that are there because you have to trust certain people that are part of the organization 
to really know the true ins and outs of what's going on right now. Yeah, you can't just come in and like overstep what's already established. Mm -hmm. Um, And we all know what we're looking for. Um, I think it's a great hire. Mm -hmm. Again, the guy brings like a professional persona with him. And maybe that's better than going after somebody who's already maybe got a big head or yeah. like a, a maybe a little bit better resume. But you're talking to, you know, organizations that are top tier yeah, uh, in the National League. And if he can bring a little flavor and spice to Detroit, I'm all for it. Yeah. And I think what you said there was, was actually pretty perfect, pretty spot on because you don't want to bring in a guy that's got a big head and he's like, oh, I've been there, done that. But like you also don't want to bring in a guy that, Maybe the league is like the, the the baseball world has kind of passed him by. And I feel like you got this guy who is willing to learn, willing to listen, willing to be flexible, and he's not a my way or the highway type guy. He doesn't have the arrogance, but he also hasn't just stuck to, hey, this is the way it's gonna be. This is the way this is the way it's always been. This is the way it's always gonna be. You know what I mean? You got a guy that's with the times and and has a lot of um, connections in the league that I think is is pretty exciting. Like I, I try to kind of look like look, look through connections and be like oh well he made this move he made that move that's not the way the baseball world works you can't really dig into it and he's being only 35 you're not going to be like oh well he was part of drafting this player and it it just doesn't work in in baseball the way that it works in in football or or basketball you know what i mean yeah and he's i don't think he's gonna come in and want drastic change or bring out these oddball ideas yeah I mean, San Francisco is just a couple of years removed from a pretty, pretty good uh, run, solid run. Yeah, yeah, for, and it came came out of nowhere too. Especially for a National League team. Yeah. Um, I feel like it's a little more rare in the National League to make so many appearances in the World Series. Yeah. Unless you're like the Cardinals or something against Detroit. I don't know, but <laughs> um, and San Francisco. Yeah. How <laughs> funny is that? Uh, so yeah, he I, like you said, he's going to fit the mold. And he'll probably he'll probably be in the background a little bit. Yeah. Let's face it, we got a heck of a manager, and if this is a way to keep him around, and then bring in the right GM to fit, you know, bridge the gap between the two. Yeah. Um, I'm excited. That was that was my first thought. If, if for the first order business that I think he should do is figure out what's going on with with AJ Hinch in that contract and. Make it obvious because we, we went into the season thinking he had an opt-out. Ever since then, it sounds like he doesn't have an opt-out. Opt-out, whether he has it or he doesn't, I don't care. I feel like restructure this contract, give him an extension, and be like, hey, if you want to be part of this, we need to know. You know what I mean? Like, get rid of all the questions and make it so he has his guy. And, like, if if he trusts A.J. Hinch, he needs to, you know, let the fans know. Let the team know. Let AJ Hinch know. Hey, you're not going to be my scapegoat if things go bad early on. Like, let's let's solidify this and and really truly build this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I I think that's going to have a trickle down effect to maybe what they do with free agency too. Yeah. You know, we we got young guys. We got a farm system that we should have high hopes in. Yeah. Um, we have injuries that we hope are you know successful <laughs> yeah, recoveries. They, yeah. Um, you know, and guys that can you know get some innings in for us uh but i feel like it's gonna kind of open up the door for more possibility and more talk on building a legitimate franchise um and a roster that can go out and win games yeah so i mean the the hire of of this president of baseball operations everybody obviously had the pipe dream of of theo epstein 
right? Yeah. And, and, and I feel like that's where we were at is you weren't going to get that pipe dream guy. You weren't going to get a guy that everybody was going to be like, oh, this is a home run, no doubt. This is the way it's going to, like, this is what we're going to. But what we have is a guy that's backed by Theo. He was uh, a right-hand man for Theo Epstein, and he's got a, a praise for him. Um, so I do have a quote by, by Epstein. He said, um, talking about Scott Harris here, the new general manager, or sorry, the new uh, president of baseball operations for the Detroit Tigers. This is what uh, Theo Epstein said about him. He said, he is someone who really understands the landscape of the game. He's smart, analytical, process-oriented, and patient. A really strategic thinker. He's always plugged in because he has that this really unique ability uh, to connect and build trust with everyone in, around, in and or around an organization, players, staff, scouts, front office, fans he's naturally progressive in the way he uh integrates technology and data uh to the organization and he's got a great work ethic he really knows how to lift up the people around him people genuinely love working with him and connecting with him look you can't really lose in this type of hire because of what we are coming from to get this type of praise, to get this type of attention, to get a guy to leave a general manager position in at, in, in his hometown. He's from <laughs> San Francisco. His family's there. And they just packed up and went to Detroit, Michigan. Like, that that's a win, in my opinion. You went out and you got to hire. And that's a really, that should be the most exciting thing about it is you didn't just hire with two within. You didn't hire within. You didn't get a random general manager's right-hand man, you went out and you got a general manager who's getting the promotion, who's going to put someone else in there to succeed, but now he's got the focus. He has the reins. As the president of baseball operations, the general manager is going to answer to him. You know what I mean? Where when he was the general manager, he was answering to somebody else. So this is a upgrade for him, and I think the Tigers fans should be excited. And I, I highly recommend to listen to his press conference. Let us know what you guys think because I listened to it and it was just like, this guy knows what he's doing. And and it was awesome to hear. I think it's a perfect market for him too. Um, again, going back to like instead of getting A, B, or C guy, we're not getting a guy that failed several times and this is his last chance. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like managers get that position obviously way more than uh, president of operations. Yeah. Uh, we're talking a whole another level. But um, it's also not a guy that's just come up short a bunch of times. So what's he going to do for us? Yeah. And it's not a guy that came from, I mean, San Francisco, California, West Coast, East Coast. There's a huge transition there. Um, but Detroit is a team. It's an organization. It's a fan base that has passion. Yep. And if he connects that well with everybody else around him, again, going back to what Theo said, um, I think this this whole response that you just read checks every single box that yep. you're looking for. And this is maybe his chance to, like, prove to those other large city organizations, Chicago and San Francisco, that, hey, yeah, I'm the, I'm the man. And, and the, most, the most exciting part for me, is the fact that our owner his, la- his, Chris, la- his Chris last Illich. name's not Avila? Yeah, I know, yeah. that's definitely <laughs> the best part. But like the fact that Chris Illich went out and was aggressive, and he went and got not just somebody, he went out and got the guy. In my opinion, you know what I mean. The only guy that would be available in this type of situation, and he, it almost feels like he stole him. Stole him over. You know what I mean? And I love the aggressiveness. Who cares about what he's paid? I don't care about any of that. But it seemed like. Illich 
is aggressive, and that's what we want to see from our owner because we want him to open the checkbook. And I'm sure a guy like this, you know, Scott Harris, wasn't going to come here unless he saw a vision from the ownership. You know what I mean? Oh, and absolutely. And I think that should be the most exciting thing out of, out of out of all of it. Yeah, there's a lot of other markets out there that have money to spend that he could have gone to and yeah. maybe had a little more financial leverage with, uh, you know, the roster. Um, got a got a guy named Miguel Cabrera that's kind of uh, filling up a spot that we yeah. could, you know, have and spend. Um, now I'm I'm excited. I think it's a good combination to go with Chris Illich. You know, he's taking over something that wasn't his you yeah. know it was handed down to him yep. and uh maybe this is the right direction to go go youth don't overspend for somebody that has already just been successful yeah um and not that i didn't want theo epstein don't get me wrong yeah right but or, he wasn't coming. you know but like a dombrowski yeah. too like uh, you're gonna overpay for guys like that yeah um and i don't know what what's he getting paid What's have you have you seen I any I contract seen any numbers? No, I don't. I, I, I think that's honestly besides the point. Yeah, um, it's just you went out and got a guy that wants to make a name for himself. Yeah, and maybe he fits that age bracket with the ownership too. So like, yeah. hey, we're both kind of young. We're, yeah, we got this opportunity. Let's make something of it. I feel like it's like those meetings are going to be just like one big brainstorm with a lot of very smart people that know how to talk. A.J. Hinch is a class act of a manager when yep. it comes to speaking his mind and getting the point out, you know, and, and checking the boxes, X and O's. Um, it'll be interesting to see what they do general manager-wise going forward. Yeah. And I, again, I, I really hope that A.J. Hinch is here for seven, eight years. Yeah, I, I, I do too. I really think he's the right thing. And you look at the way that all of these organizations are going – you got Eisman running the show in Detroit for the Red Wings. That's great. You got Holmes, who's done unbelievable job. We'll get into the Lions here soon. Um, now you got uh, Harris here, who he's going to sign. But then you also got um, Troy Weaver yeah. for the Pistons. Went out and made a move, yeah. like kind of quiet move here, but people were talking about it and on on the radio. I'm, I'm that pumped. I, that I've heard. So, I'm pumped. So the Pistons acquire Utah's Bojan Bogdanovich. Is that did I say that right? It's, it's Bogdan Bogdanovich. Yeah. Right. Yep. Um, in a trade for Kelly Olynyk and Saban Lee. Um, so he's a 33 year old, six foot seven, uh, versatile player who who is entering his eighth year. Um, he was with the Jazz. He was the Jazz's second leading scorer at 18 points per game last season behind Donovan Mitchell. He also shot 38% from three. So he's on the last year of a $19.6 million deal. Expiring contract. That's a great thing to have. So if it works, you look like a genius. If it doesn't work, you still look like a genius because an expiring contract, then you can be aggressive. But let's talk about him as a player. And I'm, I'm going to kind of hand it over to you because I don't know anything about this guy other than what I've read. But what he brings to the Pistons is actually very exciting, right? Uh, yeah, legitimate score. I think it's going to complement Cade well. Um, complement Cade well. Uh, a guy that he can dish the ball off to. We already got guys that can shoot, too. That's what's crazy. We just added another shooter. Consistent yeah. scorer. Um, he's tough to like guard. He He's a European-style um, off-the-ball player, but can create his own shot, and he just makes buckets, man. Uh, I'm super pumped. I look at it this way. Kelly Olenek had no role in our roster. Mm -hmm. um, at best, he was coming off second team, and I think 
I want to say he was making close to fifteen, sixteen million dollars a year. I mean, it has to equal out, and, I, and I'm sure Saban Lee wasn't getting paid much, so I know that it had to be around like combined I, to be I'm, around eight, nineteen million. I'm going right? to say it was really close, and if we're just spending a little bit more money, I'm all for it. Yeah, yeah, this guy, he's going to help. He's going to, he, and he's a good defender. He's just another body out there that plays the whole floor. Um, I think he's coming off an injury though. Okay. Uh, I don't know if it was last season or the previous season for the Jets, but I think he, yeah, I think he tore something in his knee or. Okay. I don't think it was Achilles. I'm pretty sure it was ACL. All right. Um, but NBA players rebound from those injuries all the time. Yeah. And I'm not worried about that because he's not going to have to use that type of athleticism in Detroit. We already got young guys around him that are going to get to the bucket and do he, all the dirty work. He's basically the guy that you can dish it off to. Yeah. And, and he'll hit the shot, right? Yeah. Like, he's, more times than not. He's a seasoned like. Um, uh, what was his name? Luke Kennard. Okay. Um, Luke was a left-handed three-point shooter. Um, that's really all he was used for because he was a defensive liability. Um, and just a huge upgrade. And honestly, I just I really don't like Kelly Olynyk. Yeah. It goes back to I mean the times that he played what with Boston and Miami Heat. He was kind of a dirty player. Okay. Um, but he got away with it for some reason. Like he <laughs> was kind of he was kind of nasty though. Like he. He's a big dude. He's a big body. Are you know? Are we gonna miss that size? I don't think so yeah, because I don't. I don't, I don't think the NBA is built like that anymore. And I was kind of. Well, it's not like Bojan. <laughs> Bojan is that small either. No, right? he's, like, yeah, he's he's a, he's a body he's a size dude. Yeah, he's a frame. I mean, you got to be to be in the NBA nowadays. Yeah, that's um, true. Especially to be a uh, wing player because you don't know what you're gonna get matched up against uh, defensively. Uh, so yeah, I I was stoked. I saw it this morning. Yeah. Uh, first thing I saw on the. As I went on a Twitter when I got to work, yeah. it was just like, let's go. Yeah, you I know, mean, it's extra make, scoring. Making another move, improving the roster, and it's pushing us closer to a, a contending team it is. in the Eastern Conference playoffs. And, and the fact that it's an expiring contract I think is very important because you got free agency coming up, and what Detroit's building is something that might attract those free agents. And you got to have that money. So if he works out and, and it's and they, they sneak in the playoffs and they do all of those things – that's great. Or you can trade them because that's valuable, and then you add more assets, or you just wash wash your hands with it and move on, and then you have that extra cap space. Where if you kept like Saban Lee and Olenek, that, that cap space wouldn't have opened up nearly as, as, as early as it will with, with Bo, Bogon. And I think both of those guys, Olenek and Saban Lee, are fighting for – seconds of game time play not minutes just seconds because um our guards are deep our bigs are deep and a lot of guys on our team can shoot so like why bring kelly olenek in i i I don't know there's no point the only thing i can think is to use fouls but that's playoff basketball yeah late late season games when things are really like coming down to crunch time um but yeah, uh, Bogdanovich, man, it's and he can kind of he's sneaky. He can play the two if we want to run a big lineup out there. He can play the three, and he's probably just a little small for the four. But um, I think he rotationally just fits well with this team and the way things are going. And if he has a big year and you sign him to another one-year deal, like yeah. some guys late in their careers do that when they're kind of like a utility player like that where they got one strength. I don't know. I, I just I'm not comparing him to like Ray Allen or any yeah. of these guys. Um he'll never have that illustrious of a career. Uh but if you know some of those guys is just like oh towards the end of their career they just play, you know, one one season, two season contracts, one yeah. year, two year deals. 
he could be a guy that we bring back next year and um i don't know maybe at a better rate or something yeah if you can convince the guy to like take a little pay cut but stick around you know if they make a run i don't know man i'm excited it's a it's a big move it seems like a sneaky big move like because it's not a blockbuster by any means. And the Jazz are unloading. I mean, yeah, they, they traded Donovan Mitchell. Mitchell they yeah. traded uh, Rudy Go, or not? Yeah, Rudy Gobert. Okay. And now they get rid of Bogdanovich. Yeah. I mean, that's Weird. that's their core. Yeah. Uh, they're in a complete rebuild. And, and I we think we didn't give up like anything future, like anything future of future value. And that I think that I think is the best yeah. the best part about it. Yeah, I I look at it like you said, expiring contracts. Kelly Olynyk was one of them. I'm gonna miss Saban Lee because he is a little workhorse of a guy out there playing guard, a little bit undersized in the NBA. But I just don't think that either of those guys were gonna see much playing time. Bogdanovich is good move. Drinking craft beer, having fun. And talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. We got a win to talk about. A Detroit Lions win, and that that just makes me so happy. Uh, the Detroit Lions beat the Washington Commanders 36 to 27 behind a near perfect first half, where they led 22 to zero at halftime. Uh, they were outscored 27-14 in the second half, but Washington never had the ball with a chance to take the lead or let alone tie the game uh, since the Lions scored their first touchdown in the first quarter, which is awesome. They didn't have a chance ever since then, which is cool. Uh, Goff went 20-34, of 34, 256 yards, four touchdowns, no interceptions. Very, very solid game. St. Brown keeps keeps on doing what he does. Nine catches for 116 yards, 12.9 yard average and two touchdowns i mean he he actually won player the player of the week didn't he offensive player of the week for, N- for nfc the, yeah for the yeah. nfc which <laughs> man, good for him this he, guy he must have led the nfc in individual catches i'm sure that's i'm what, sure he did what got yeah. him, but you also look at two touchdowns yeah and over 100 yards and then he also had what 68 rushing yards is that what he yeah he yeah. broke he broke one long one oh. too like a little was it like kind of like an end around or something yeah. but uh yeah i saw that highlight and like, he's man. so i i was i was part of the group about him that was like all right was it just the fact that nobody else was there so he was just kind of racking up all these stats and late in the last year and so oh yeah i was i had those those worries and those concerns i was like this guy's you know he's gonna be the number three on this team this dude is legit. He is. He's already what Golden Tate was for us when when he was in his heyday. You know what I mean? He's already doing all the. He is. He's right there, and that is super exciting because you know what's coming up the pipe is Jamison Williams, and like this is gonna this this position is is totally set. Not because of Jameson Williams, not because of DJ Shark, but because Amon Ross St. Brown is the backbone of this wide receiving core. It is unreal what he's doing it completely changes every team's defensive uh philosophy going against the lions yeah from years past right we don't have a guy that has done what he's done since kelvin yeah and i'm sorry we don't have matt stafford as a quarterback either so he's look he's making jared goff look pretty good right now (laughs) and i'm impressed because he is kind of undersized height-wise in the NFL to yeah. be making all these plays. But we're seeing a lot of guys that are a little undersized making a lot of splash in, in the NFL. Yep. And I I don't know, I listen to national sports talk too, and 
you know, kids nowadays want to be tight ends or wide receivers if they're not a quarterback. Yeah. They don't want to be a running back no, anymore. No way. I think we're going to see, you know, Kelvin was a, a physical specimen that was carved by Greek mythologists, yeah. you know. Um, we we don't need that anymore, and it's, it's great to see St. Brown. But he is built to last. He looks durable. He's strong. Um, let's keep it healthy. He looks the start. Yeah, he looks the keep, part. Let's for keep sure. it healthy. Um, not only does he have great hands, but he kind of uh, gives Jared Goff a little bubble to throw to, as opposed to two mitts. Yeah, he can come in and 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 make moves. He's he's flashy. He's sneaky, and he's burning these he's linebackers and D backs like it's look, going out of style. I do, like this is way overblown. Is what I'm going to say right now. He is our Cooper Cup. He's our do-it-all guy. He's our, how the heck did he get open? How, you know what I mean? Like, you just sit and watch this. It's like, man, he just, he he's a do-it-all type of guy. Look, I'm not comparing him to Cooper Cup. I'm not doing oh, that. Oh, he's, but like, he's bigger than Cooper Cup. But like, that's what he is yeah. to this team. Yeah. And that is really exciting. That's what we need. Need a, a reliable wide receiver. Yeah. Like and, you said, Golden Tate, like, shows signs too. Golden Tate was a great wide receiver as well. Like, he bridged that gap too when we were running yeah. low on guys. Uh, but we watch like guys like Kenny Gall- Galladay have a breakout year, <laughs> yeah. and now he's not even playing any football. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, and all those other years, we were throwing guys out there that you didn't know who they were until yeah. they put on the jersey. Um, man, he is phenomenal. You got that with D. Swift and, and I, Jameson Williams still yeah. waiting in the closet to come back out and play some football. I think he's almost ready. Yeah. Uh, I sit and watch this team, and I'm just like this offense. I'm like. What if we had Stafford still? Oh, and I know yeah. I, I need to stop with that. I need to. I know I do. But, like, what the, our offense is right now still could be exactly what it is with Stafford. So, I'm not – like, once Jameson Williams comes in, that's where I'm like, all right, it's a different offense. This is a – Stafford – moving Stafford helped us get Jameson Williams. So, I get that's when I'm going to have to cross that off my list. But, like, right now I'm just like – I feel bad because I, I think what Goff's doing is pretty darn good. But let me get into a little bit more here. Uh, the Lions outgained uh, the Commanders 425 to 396, 191 rushing yards um, to 88, which I think is a very important stat right there. And their turnover battle, they won one nothing. Uh, sorry, I lost my spot here. Uh, we were uh, told heading into the game that Swift would, would be on a bit of a snap count, uh, which he only touched the ball seven times. Uh, he had 56 rushing yards on on five carries and 31 receiving yards on two catches with a massive touchdown. That one when he's on his butt and then he gets up and, and runs that. Oh, yeah. Oh, my gosh. That was awesome. He almost broke one, too, for a rushing touchdown. And it's just like, dang, yeah, you know. I think it was a 50-yard run or 51-yard yeah. run. Yep. Um, Jamal Williams had, had the bulk of the carries with 12 uh Carries for 53 yards, and Amon Ross St. Brown also had 68 rushing yards on, on two attempts. No Big V, no uh, Ra- Frank Ragnow, and no Jonah Jackson. Uh, Evan Brown uh, started at center. Logan Stenberg again at guard. And then Dan Skipper stepped in uh, to play the other side at guard uh, for his first career start. Who, who Three-fifths of, of the, the offensive line that I, I, I've considered to be top five, you know, heading into the season – were gone and and here they are just continuing to push continuing to do what they do you would it's it's impressive yeah you would think that's uh the automatic loss right there yeah and and that's that was exactly why vegas flipped the odds yeah when you're running that offensive line out there with these guys that you know skipper it's his 
first NFL start. Been yeah, a, Dan Skipper. Been in the league like six, seven years or yeah, something, something like that. Yeah, something like that. Um, you, you think the worst NFL team defense is going to humiliate three fill-ins. Yeah. And I thought that Washington was kind of built around the defensive side. I know they got some guys like out. And Ch- yeah, Ch- uh, is it Chase Young? Chase Young. Yeah, he he's out. Um, so, but still, but still, they they have know, them, they're deep. At <laughs> yeah, and Ron Rivera, D-line. I think he's always historically kind of been the defensive guy, the little yeah. guru there. Um, I expect that the Washington Commanders should beat a Lions team. Yeah, that has that many band aids on yeah. the offense. And the Lions line. dominated that game from from start to finish. It, it was awesome. Uh, I think they did a great job setting the tone early on. Uh, but really, just the scheme, like the offensive line, I'm, I'm talking about here by by Hank Fraley is putting together just deserves a ton of credit. Like it, it, it is so impressive to sit and watch and, and look at when I watch it live, I, I don't see it. You know what I mean? Like it's just so foreign to me the way the football works. But then like you hear these experts talking about how they're pulling guards they're pulling tight ends. They're like stacking one side, moving things. And then, then the, you see the holes that, that they're opening. The scheme of the offensive line is, is absolutely incredible. And that's the only reason why that, you know, three backups and you got your two tackles can can go out and do what they did. Now, the the rushing yards. What did I say it was? The rushing yards was uh, was one hundred ninety eight. For some reason, that's what comes to mind, but I don't think that's correct. Sorry. One ninety one. One ninety one total rushing yards is a little deceiving, I think, because you had the fifty yard run um, by Swift. You had the fifty eight yard run uh, by by St. Brown, but like. When it mattered most, they were able to move the ball. They were able to get the push, and they kept they kept golf clean, which is your number one job. It's just very impressive what they're doing. Yeah, I mean that opens up the play action. I think that's where Jared Goff uh, has an, the only chance to like excel. Um, I don't think he's a quick decision guy where he's just gonna run you down the field and spread offense and pick you apart. He needs something to uh, fall back on in times of need. So it's good to see DeAndre Swift break a long run. Obviously, I'm on St. Brown. Um, you know, I think they said that Swift was kind of dealing with a little ankle tweak from week one. Yeah, yep. Uh, so I imagine they're going to kind of, to start the season, they're going to balance that workload maybe in favor of Jamal Williams. Yeah. I don't want that to happen because I want our best guy to get the bulk of everything, yeah. um, whether it's St. Brown or DeAndre Swift. Like, these guys should be putting up the big numbers. And I think they will. Um, you don't want to, you know, add to an injury too early in the season and take your chances out the window. Yeah. Um, so, I, yeah, I mean, a dominant game on the offense, like you said, first half of the game. Uh, it's good to see Jared Goff put up four TDs, spread the ball around it's a little impressive. bit. Josh Reynolds had a really good game. Yeah. And DeAndre Swift got in on a catch. You know, it's good to see him mix things up. Um, yeah, so so the receiving side, you had Amon Ross St. Brown with nine catches, 116 yards. Josh Reynolds, three catches for 38. DeAndre Swift, two catches for 31. TJ Hawkinson, three for 26. It's just cr- incredible that he's doing all this with with Hawkinson still struggling. Like, he does not look like himself. It's very weird. I mean, he had a huge third-down conversion catch that was absolutely massive, but he was, he's still dropping the ball. Like, it's just really weird to see this all working so well when I think potentially our biggest weapon 
is not playing up to his expectations. Is not playing up to, yeah. Yeah. And, it, like, DJ Shark was kind of uh, absent in the game as well, yeah. which is kind of crazy to think about because. Yeah, zero catches, zero, zero receptions. Oh, uh, you would think that. Or, yeah, zero yards, obviously. Yeah, you would think after, you know, St. Brown is just out there running loops around these guys that they double him up and open somebody yeah. up for, like, big plays. Yeah, so, so they did try to hit him downfield once, and I think. I think Goff missed them. Okay. Um. So they're they're working on that. Yeah. And that's that's exactly what his role is going to be is is that he's the one that's going to keep that defense honest, like knocking the top off, if you will. Especially with the rate St. Brown is playing right now, defenses mm-hmm. are going to have to focus in on this guy, yep. and that's only going to cause more gaps out there for guys like DJ Shark, Josh and Reynolds, TJ Hawkinson too. Hawkinson as well. Yeah. yeah because St. Brown catches the ball all over the field. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So there should always be an open tight end out there too. So yeah, hopefully he can step that one up. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about the defense. Uh, you know, the tone was set by them. It, it really was. I mean, to hold a team to no points in the, in the first half is is impressive. Uh, so they punt. So this is the way that the drives went. They they punted. Uh, sorry, I'm, I'm just gonna read this. I don't I don't remember how I wrote it down here. Um, punt. Uh, so these first, are the dri- yeah, defensive first, drives. First drive. First drive. Punt, zero first downs. Next drive, zero, punt, zero first downs. Safety, zero first downs. Punt, zero first downs on the next one. Another punt, zero first downs. Punt, one first down. Punt, one first down. Halftime. Two first downs in the whole first half is freaking insane. I mean, they, they allowed only two first downs and a total of 56 yards in that first half. They were buzzing. It was awesome to see, and that is what made them do like set the tone for the, this team in general. Is, I mean, the defense. And, and look, the numbers aren't good. They're not a good defense. I, I'm not going to say that they are, but what they did in that first half is why the offense was able to go out and do what they did. Yeah. In my opinion, you know what I mean. Um, it's just it was awesome. You you put up the points when it mattered, and yeah, the second half didn't look great where you were outscored and all that kind of stuff. But it's a full game. You did that in that first half. That is absolutely insane. Um, Aiden Hutchinson had five tackles, one assist, and three sacks all in the first half. Malcolm Rodriguez and Mike Hughes each had uh, five uh, tackles with three assists, so eight totals. I mean, Malcolm Rodriguez, he, he ranks third among all defenders against the run in week two before Monday night's games. Uh, the sixth-round rookie was the team's highest-graded defender in the season opener. Rodriguez slotted fourth on Detroit's defensive, on Detroit's defense against the commanders per pro football focus. But his work against the run um, will, will sit among, sorry, will sit among the elite from the weekend. Like, he was absolutely a stud in, in that. And the, really the defense in general against the run was, was awesome. I think he was like ranked. Was it? He was up there in the top. I want to say top three linebacker well, performances. Yeah. Uh, he was the highest rated rookie. Okay. Again. Yeah. And rookie defender in all of, all of football. Man, imagine having that behind you through two weeks. That's got to be a big uh, breath of fresh air for him. Right. A little weight off the shoulders. Hopefully, it doesn't get to his head. But no, he's playing really well. Yeah, I mean, he was tied for the team lead with eight tackles, adding one quarterback hit. Uh, I mean, it's just it's, it's absolutely awesome. Uh, take keep running, you know. Alex Anzalone played ninety one percent of the defensive snaps, while Rodriguez handled seventy three percent. That's a tighter rotation with with Chris Board coming um, on for only sixteen reps. And like just the fact that Rodriguez has come come in and basically just 
stolen this the starting position away from Board and um, oh my gosh, I can't think of the other guy's name right now. Uh, the, the one we drafted last year, I can't think of his name. Oh. Out of Purdue, Barnes, Derek Barnes. It, the fact that he's just come in and basically taken away their their snaps is so impressive. It is un- incredible what Rod- Rodriguez is doing. Is he a All Pro? Is he a you know Rookie of the Year status? No, he's not. And I, I get that, but you got him in the fifth or sixth round or whatever it was. Like that is a steal. Purely so the, far, yeah. The and fact he can that, play in this game. Yeah, the fact that he has played in significant amount of time is just huge because yeah. we're lacking some depth out there on the defense. And uh, so the fact that he's out there on the field but making plays. Is yeah that cherry on top like you said fourth fifth round pick, I think it was fifth. Fifth, I'm pretty sure it was fifth. Um, oh man, yeah, it, it's just cool to see these guys that they highlighted in Hard Knocks. Yeah, like keep it up. Yeah, it and, is awesome. And, and show out. I know it's early. I know it's Washington, but Carson Wentz gets a lot of flack, especially like nationwide media. Yeah. He's still a legitimate quarterback in the NFL. Oh and yeah, he's got a gun. He can move his feet. And Washington has decent wide receivers. Their running back core is a little thin right now. They're waiting for that rookie to heal up from a gunshot wound. Uh, <laughs> I think Brian Williams or Robinson or something like is that. Is that the Anyways. guy from uh, Alabama? I think. Yeah, I think, yeah, I think William, yeah. Robin, yeah, I don't know. One of the two. Yeah. Brian something. Uh, but, yeah, I, I mean, man, it, I don't know. It's cool to see him yeah, do this against a team that has a chance to put up points and, like, put yards on the, on the board and they – Literally just shut him out in that first yeah. half. Um, another another reason why I think the spread kind of moved was because Amani Awarie was ruled out, and then that means you know Will Harris had to, had to fill in. Yeah. And what he did was he had three uh, or five catches, or sorry, five tackles, three assist tackles, and the interception. Look, I, I don't think he had a very good game, but getting the interception is obviously. You know that's great. It was kind of a fluke bouncing around, and, and it is what it is. But he he ended up making it, uh, making a play out of it. Okuda was solid again. Uh, was concerned when he left the game, but it sounds like it was just only cramps, and and we're all good to go with that. We're not we're not anything to worry about. But secondary continues to be a, a somewhat of an issue when we're not getting pressure. Um, in the first half uh, of the game, Jeff Okuda followed top Commanders wide receiver Terry McCl- McLaurin. All over the field, McLaurin didn't get a single catch. Uh, this comes one week after Akuda shut out Eagles wide receiver Devontae Smith. Um, the week prior, Akuda later gave up a couple of completions, including one to McLaurin, uh, where he also blew the the tackle. But it's it's another strong performance from from Akuda, and that is exactly what this team needs. We needed a true number one corner, and I don't want to overreact or anything, but. It feels like we have a number one corner on with Akuda, and then a warrior is going to kind of take the back seat and be that that backup. You know what I mean? That number two. And if uh, what a warrior did last year, he deserves the number one status. But it, that's just what Akuda's bringing is is so important to this team, and and it's it's exciting. Yeah, I don't know if he's like a number one on all NFL teams, but like you said, it's nice to have one here in Detroit. And, that's a good way to say it. Um, yeah, he's he's healing up, and he's still out there. I don't – again, I don't look back and, like, hate the pick. Um, I didn't like who was running the team at the time more yeah. than the pick itself. Uh, you can't predict injuries. And um, if he can just uh, fulfill the hype that came with that draft pick um, and continue to do what he's doing right now, I think he will fulfill that hype. 
Yep, five uh, total team stacks. He had three for Aiden, one each for Kaminsky, who, who's out due to a broken hand, and he had surgery on it, which sucks. And Charles Harris, the the strips, uh, the sack fumble safety, if you will, which which was a really big play. Um, overall, it, it was far from a flawless game. Um, and, and obviously, it's just the commanders and all, all of that. Like you got to, I want to keep that into perspective, but. This is a step in the right direction. What this is is that this is I, I sit here and I look at this this team and I look at the schedule and I'm like, there are very very few games that you go into and be like, auto loss, auto loss. You know what I mean? And that's a step up from what we what we dealt with last year. What was it? Three wins or was it two wins and a tie? Or I don't I don't remember exactly what it was. It's just like, man, it's different. It is different. Doesn't mean they're going to sneak into the playoffs. Maybe not. But what it means is is this is going to be a fun season to sit back and watch every single game and wonder what if. You know what I mean? Like that that's there. And the talent level's there. The the depth is there. It's just I, I am loving what I'm seeing, and I know I'm just setting myself up for her. But <laughs> Well, if that offensive line gets healthy and everything clicks, I think that – that score of that game is going to be a little more lopsided in the favor of the Lions. Yeah. It is great to be one and one through two weeks. It is. Um, 500 football team right now. Uh, I don't know that that's going to last the entire season, but it's a good start, and that's a game that you got to win. Uh, would have been cool to maybe hear how loud the crowd got because I imagine if the defense is playing that lights out in the first half, everybody's having a good time in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I, yeah, I – Again, it is, yeah, a step in the right direction. A win's a win. Yeah. And I think that's what Dan Campbell um, spoke about in the locker room after the game. Oh, we, yeah. We got and one. Was, yeah, you got one. Let's go get another one. Yeah. And it, it's it's just, it is, you can see that it's it's something different. Yeah, and that's, I think, the most exciting thing. And like, like I was saying, you start looking at the schedule, and at the very least, I would say, like, or sorry, I w- I'm going to keep keep the Packers in, in the auto loss category. You're going to lose to the Packers. Let's just continue to keep that mindset. You're going to lose to the Bills on Thanksgiving. We'll keep those three into perspective here. Outside of that, everything at the very, very least is a 50-50 game. It's a coin flip game. It is a did you show up or did you not show up yep. type game. And that, I, I sit and look at this team and I'm like, they're going to show up more times than not. And that's where I'm going to look at it and be like, there is that path to the playoffs. And I said it, you know, preseason, all that stuff. There is that path. It is a legitimate possibility. It is a legitimate focus right here, right now. Now, they could go out and lose, and that could hurt, and we could be on the opposite side on on next week, Tuesday. But, like, that's exciting. What we're seeing is, is different. It's a culture change. It is all of that. And when you combine the culture change with the talent that we're seeing, the depth that they're building, it, it, it is amazing. It, it, I just, I, I, I'm almost speechless. I can't explain how it is because I don't want to over, over go with it. You know what I mean? Oh yeah, I mean we've witnessed too many close game losses, and like you know, in recent years too, there's games. Ah, we should have won that one. We really should have won that one. If it wasn't for that one thing, that one thing, that one thing. Regardless, we're competing. They're a competitive football team. Like you said, there's probably a couple games in there where 
You might as well keep the money in the pocket. Don't put any money on Detroit that week. I'm not allowed to do that. Not allowed to do that. Am I allowed to? Do oh that? yeah, I guess so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> auto, auto I bets. try not to bet on my yeah. teams. <laughs> but sometimes bets. I do. Uh, but no, it, it, it's nice to know that, like you said, there's a, a lot of games left in the season that they should be in those games or leading those games with a chance to win those games. Yeah, I mean, you look at the schedule. So I, I brought up the the three auto losses, if you will. Um, but outside of that, you got the Vikings twice, the Bears twice, Seahawks, Patriots, Cowboys, Giants, Jags, Jets, and the Panthers. I know, I know, it's early, but a lot can change, and, and a lot can change around the league. And I, I get all of that. But but Holmes and Cam Campbell have built a better than average team. That's what I look at. We're better than average. We're playing teams that want to be better than average as well. And that's where I'm really gonna the, gonna you know, hang my hat. And I, I know I'm setting myself up for her. But I but I look at all this, and it reminds me of what I was saying about the Tigers heading in, heading into the, the Tigers regular season. It's like, I'm ready to get hurt. Like, I'm okay with it. Like, I want the Sunday lineup to drive me nuts because I think that this game matters that much even though they don't. Now, was I completely wrong about the Tigers? Yeah, I was. It, it was far from pretty. It was a very ugly season. The injuries obviously sucked, all that kind of stuff. But it just reminds me of that that feeling. It's just, yeah, like losing by one on a last-second field goal should like feel like my heart's being ripped out. It should matter that much. And right here, based on what we are, one and one, that's where we're at. It should hurt. When we go out and lose on Sunday by a field goal, last second field goal, that should hurt because that could be the difference of making the playoffs or not. And I love that that's where we're at already. That's the that's the other part is we're already here. This is year two of this regime. Yeah, dang. That is a big step up. Yeah, we weren't there with Matt Patricia in year two. No. Um, <laughs> we were taking I'll steps you, back. Yeah, I'll tell you, there were, there were weeks uh, in recent years where I didn't even tune in the game because I didn't want to embarrass my pride yeah you know on my my team um but now it, it gives you a reason to keep engaged hard knocks dan campbell kneecaps and yeah. now man i don't know it that post-game locker room i, I think he that. had i think he had the troops rallied and i think those guys rallied behind that guy yeah and do you he, notice who brought the team down like who like brought everybody in and did the one two three family thing you know you notice who that was DeAndre Swift. DeAndre Swift, yeah. 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 I, well, I know that Skip got oh, that was got awesome. a chance, too. Yeah. Uh, I think he was first one on the floor. Um, but, yeah, DeAndre, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, man, those guys are having a good time. They are. They're a family, man. They're, they're, they're close. Close group. I'm glad that they got hard knocks this year. <laughs> Could you imagine three or four years ago? Oh, you know? Been a, we would have been the laughing stock. Um, so I don't know if like Dan Campbell's personality brought that to Detroit Hard Knocks. I think it had something to do with it. Yeah. Uh, but man, things are looking really good. I know it's week two. Yeah. It's a long season, seventeen games. You know they got a chance to disappoint us, but they've already won a little bit back from me. Yeah. Um, that I lost, you know, a few years ago. Yeah. Real quick, uh, Carrie jumped in a little late. She said a little late here, but I'm drinking fruit smash seltzer tonight where is fruit smash seltzer from i never heard of that one carrie if you're still watching please let us know where fruit that's from smash. and then she obviously quotes like listening to me like no doubt about it i'm ready to get hurt again that's the michael scott quote from from the office you know it is what it is you know 
A um, couple more things that I want to talk about. Lions uh, offense has uh, has scored the most points in the NFL through week week two, um, and felt like points were left on the field. I think that's another interesting part of of what we're seeing here is this offense seems to be clicking. It's moving well. They're scoring, and then you still have missed opportunities, and that's where I'm even more excited. You know what I mean? It's like if you're not getting opportunity as a hockey player. Oh, Killebrew just did something. Former former uh, lion there. Block punt. Block the punt. Uh, but like I just remember, like my my coach always telling me, "Hey, when you're not getting chances, that's when you should be concerned." The lions are getting chances. Yeah. They're missing out on a lot of them. They're putting up a lot of points, but they're also getting getting some chances. Couple uh, cleaning here. Uh, lions rank fourth overall uh, in an offense. Third in rushing, 19th in passing. First with a 7.15 yards per rush. Uh, on the defensive side, the Lions rank 30th in overall defense. Obviously, that's not pretty. Um, 48 quarterback pressures, uh, which is tied for the NFL, uh, like first in the NFL. Love that. That's where this defense is going to really start figuring stuff out is if you can keep the quarterback under pressure, your, your defense will take care of itself the secondary will start making plays. They don't have to guard as long. Like, all of those things, the linebackers are able to do their job and not more. Um, Kerry did come in and say it was from Memphis, Tennessee. Interesting. Um, But they have the second-ranked overall special teams as well, which I know nobody likes talking special teams, but that is a very, very important part of the game. Yeah, they'll win and lose. Jack Fox is awesome. Yeah, they'll win and lose the games too, just like the other sides of the ball. But uh, it's fourth early. And fourth and overall offense. Yeah. Pretty impressive. <laughs> I mean, we, we went into the season talking about it. You know, the highest paid offense in, in all of football. They better be good. And right now we're, we're seeing a good enough offense is the way I look at it. Defense behind schedule, but I'm not that worried about it. I'm really not. And I maybe I should be a little more, but I don't know. I, I think they're gonna be all right i mean the the yards per carry too that kind of catches your eye 7.15 i feel like they haven't (laughs) you know and like to be what you said third and rushing they don't run the ball down your throat yeah that's like indianapolis and tennessee these teams that have like workhorse running backs like they really don't get that many carries that many snaps that many plays to touch the ball yet they're just capitalizing on yardage so what does that really say like you said the scheme the way the line's moving, your wide receiving core, uh, St. Brown, is picking teams apart. Yeah. Um, you're giving Goff a little more breathing room, and then, boom, you know, you got good running backs and, well, St. Brown getting a carry in there. That can make a big play. Yep. And that's that's how you win games in the NFL. you gotta, you got to be able to make big plays. I know that their defense ranked 30th, I mean, coming off of that game against the Eagles week one. Yeah. But that was still a close game. Like, both teams are putting up points. So, you can't tell me that the Eagles' defense is and then you ranked what, first. Yeah, you and know? Then you see so, what the Eagles did to the Vikings. You're like, okay, maybe that loss wasn't as bad as exactly. we thought. You and know? I, I feel like that gets us closer to, what, week three? Yeah. A game against the Vikings? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm just going into this game. I, I expect a loss. I really do. Because it's at Minnesota? You, at Minnesota – in division, it's, it's not just, prime time, so Kirk Cousins is going to ball be out. Decent, right? Um, I just I'm expecting a loss, and if Okuda Jefferson, if they can, I'd kind of like Okuda in this matchup. We'll see, we'll see. But like, if they win this game, it just what it does. It just seems to add a win to your to your absolute. Total. You don't expect to win this game. I don't expect it. 
Yeah. But you go out and do it. Oh, look out. This is going to be an uncomfortable week for everybody because I'm going to be pitching a tent. I know like every yeah, every <laughs> every game in the NFL is a big game. This is a huge game. It feels like it. Yeah. And, and so, I know it's early so, again. All right. If we lose, I don't think it's that big of a of a deal. No, because but you go out and win this game, you just set like you just punch a team in the mouth that you are going head to head for for the for the wild card. Yeah. And that is where you go out and win this game. It is massive to seal a road win, especially like in the NFC right now. We're seeing a lot of teams that had higher expectations than Detroit play yep. a lot worse than Detroit. Yep. And we have injuries, and Dallas is doing their thing, and like that division is kind of you know skeptical the, up in the air. The NFC is wide open. Yeah, and, and I'd rather I'd rather them win that game so that Minnesota and Chicago, I imagine, are both you know game back three yeah. three weeks in. That's awesome. a, that's a good place to start. That's a good place to be. But if they lose this game, like you said, I it's kind of expected. I, ha- I have a hard time. I mean, I think Detroit will sweep. The Bears, I do. I do too. I think they'll I think go down. Built too. I think they'll go down to Chicago and win that game. I'm always gonna lean towards the home team when it comes to playing in Minnesota and at Green Bay. Yeah. Um, but if you can go out there and steal a win, that's what I look at it. Go you, out and if you, steal it. If you happen to lose, you're one game back. You're still, you know, right now tied for first in the division, tied for first and fourth. But yeah, <laughs> um, everybody's one for one. Yeah, I think. Well, I and guess. One it, yeah, it's a bit. It, it is a big game. Um. And it'd be nice to see him pull this one out. It would be awesome. It really would. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. Sorry, real quick. I did want to talk about some power rankings that came out that I just thought was interesting. The Athletic has the Lions at 14th, NFL.com 16th, Sporting News, 21st, Sports Illustrated, 12th, Walter Football, 15th, USA Today, 14th, Yahoo Sports, 19th, and then Pro Football Talk, 26th. So it's just funny to see all of the all over the map of, of where these, these teams kind of line up for the Lions. But I feel like the Pro Football Talk, like they just, I don't know, I feel like they get a heavy... Uh, what's approval rate right like yeah. that's that's where a lot of like outlets lean towards but they probably just ranked the lions the worst like one and one team which brought them down <laughs> to 26 but that's right. not fair because they got to be in the middle of the pack right now uh, <laughs> all right moving on to michigan say i don't know what happened with this printer like everything's just off just a little bit so like everything's feeding into the next page so i apologize for that but michigan state uh went to washington uh, to play a night game and really never showed up, losing 39-28. Uh, they were outscored 29-8 in the first half after falling behind 22 to nothing, uh, getting a late score with a minute 30 left to see Washington go down the field and score a touchdown for themselves uh, to take a 29-8 lead into halftime. They scored four seconds left. Uh, they did outscore Washington 20-10 to in the second half, but it never felt close, and the 39-28 final score really wasn't even... Uh, that close, in my opinion. Uh, MSU's Jaden Reedless offense had a very slow start, but Thorne responded well and put up some nice numbers going 30 for 42 for 323 yards and three touchdowns and the interception. The most surprising thing uh, about the offense was was the lack of running game. Berger, or Berger had 27 yards on 13 carries, and Broussard had three yards on four 
carries and getting a total of 42 rushing yards. Keon Coleman had had, had his coming out party, really, uh, with nine catches for 116 yards and two touchdowns. Tight end Barker had seven catches for an un for just under 70 yards, and Mosley had five catches for 64 yards and a touchdown. Uh, every time it, it looked like Michigan State was going to, to make a push uh, by scoring, the defense really let them down. Um, and like last year, it, it was just through the air. Uh, Washington's quarterback, Michael Penix Jr., uh, went 24 of 40 for 397 yards and four touchdowns, and the numbers really do not give them give him the justice because that was only through three three quarters of, of him playing football, really. Yeah. Um, it was interesting. Looked like he had a field day. Yeah. Couldn't. He made it look so easy. Yeah, had every had every opening to throw into, had the home crowd behind him. Um, yeah, it's, I don't know, man. Uh, I guess they had some fans rush the field afterwards, knocking off yeah. the 11th-ranked <laughs> team, you know, <laughs> yeah, this funny. early in the season. But I think uh, – Personally, Michigan State might have been a little bit overranked. Yeah. Um, so maybe the hype was there for Washington, but Michigan State really didn't hold up their end of the deal. They here. didn't. So MSU falls from from eleventh uh, in the AP poll outside of the top twenty five, and while Washington made the leap from unranked to the eight to eighteenth in the poll, and and like I, I, going to the overrated status, like yeah, I, th- I think I think that's fair to say because. We don't really don't know if Washington's that good either. Yeah, you know what I mean. So, well, I mean, we'll see. Time will tell. Um, but it was just—it was so. I, I bet you that was so disappointing for Spartan fans to sit down and watch that game, because you're expecting excitement. You you you're told that you're this, you're told that you're that, and you are far from it based on what we saw in this game. Yeah, I think uh, Spartan fans probably leaned on the the Mel Tucker juice. Train, Kool-Aid, whatever you want to call it, in East Lansing, couch yeah. burner. Yeah, um, right. But yeah, I, I'm man. I I guess if if you had high expectations on the season as a Spartan fan, they got knocked down to the floor. I I know that they can just go and run off some Big Ten wins, yeah, and the big the Big Ten is a, a strong conference, and you're playing there. Um, I think they were the recipient of national rankings trying to find the third best Big Ten team and give them a top 15 seed because you don't want to have just all SEC teams. You don't want to have all Big 12 teams and Pac-12 and and all Big Ten teams, right? Yeah. Um, And I guess uh, it's a reality check. Like you said, um, this is – it's got to hurt. It's yeah. got to hurt to lose a game like that non-conference game. You're supposed to win those non-conference games. Yeah. So, I mean, it's easy to point the finger at the pass defense losing, losing this. I mean, they were dead last uh, last season and, and currently ranked 77th in, in pass defense uh, so far this season. But the defense had no sacks. They had no pressures. It was just so easy for Penix. And 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 this that's, the I think, the biggest concern is – it wasn't just like they were they were almost out big ten. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like Washington is kind of one of those teams that they're big ten type, like trenches and, and all of that. Cold and weather. Yeah, yeah, like they're they're built that way. And MSU got dominated on both sides in, in the trenches. And if you're look, Washington is, is it's a way different team than what Michigan played them last year. I, I get that. Yeah. They're a high quality opponent. They're supposed to be a high quality opponent. Well, time will tell what they turn into, but 
you were just manhandled on both sides of the trenches. And I think that is the scary thing for Michigan State heading into the Big Ten. Can they right the ship? Yeah, they can. Because I, I believe that Mel Tucker has, has a focus. I, I believe he's got a us-against-the-world mentality that he can he can get these guys motivated. Um, but when you get manhandled the way you did before you get to the Big Ten uh, schedule, schedule yeah. man, it it could it could get ugly quick. Yeah, it puts a lot of pressure on both sides of the ball right now, let's face it. Um, yeah. You lose a non-conference game, a game that, you know, you're – expecting to win um all credit to washington though i mean they brought yeah. in a new coach and um listening to joel clatt talk about him on the colin coward show he's the real deal too um they got yeah they got i just think they got outplayed out coached i don't know if the the travel had anything to do with that you yeah. don't you don't like to blame it on that i think college athletes are pretty accustomed to that I think uh, college athletics, they, they cater well to those kids that have to fly across the country to play a football game for the university and make them a little bit of money. Um, but I think, uh, you know, this might, again, not – I don't want to say that Michigan State fans need to throw in the towel or call it a season by any means. No, no, not yet. But let's look at Mel Tucker. Let's look at a one-year coach at Washington beating an 11-seeded Michigan State team, Mel Tucker-led team. Yeah. Um, and can we can we maybe not overdo it with the Mel Tucker I, the Mel Tucker theme, the the Mel Tucker, you know, in the air and the water. Um there's you know, yeah. did he get did he get out coached? I, I believe a, he did. By a first-year coach in the pack the Pac-12 that's not supposed to be good. Yeah. The Pac-12 is not supposed to be good. Yep. Um, it, 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 look, I, I don't want to bring up the contract. I don't want to say he's overpaid. I, like, that that does not matter to me personally. But what I think you brought up here is is he, he did get outcoached. Yeah. And it was by a first-year coach. And it's not that – I don't want to erase, like, what Michigan State did last year because that was very impressive. What Absolutely. they did, and, Absolutely. And you got to hang your hat on those type of seasons. You have to. And I'm not trying to bash Michigan no, State. I'm not but whatsoever. Like, could it like and this is a low, right? Like losing to Washington. Yeah. How low is it? Well time will tell. But this is a low. Last year was a high. It feels like it's gonna be somewhere in the middle. Yeah. And I feel like that's what I I was not hearing last year from, from Spartan fans was no, this is our new thing. Like this is what Mel Tucker is, this is what it's gonna be. It's like, well really Mel Tucker like look at the the whole his whole career. Like <laughs> I see a tweet from a Michigan fan, but he's like, if Mel Tucker beats Minnesota one fifty one hundred fifty to nothing, he will now be like even scoring for like his positive negative in, in scoring oh, as, right. a, as a head coach. Yeah, okay. and it was just like that kind of puts it in perspective. Yeah, last year was the feels like the anomaly. The the COVID year was 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 really bad. Where is it in the middle? Because yep. I feel like that was their ceiling, that was their floor. Now where is it going to end? You know what I mean? Where is the the consistent Mel Tucker led team going to be? That's yeah. what I think we need to learn. That's what I think this year is about is learning that. Now this year it could fall out and it could be more of a bottom and. Or they could respond. Like it is, it, it's all right there. But lucky for them, they're in the Big Ten. And they got a Big Ten schedule ahead of them. If they win some big games, they're right back to where they were last year. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I would like to think that they're going to be an above average team. Again, where's that happy medium? Yep. Um, law of averages, the good year, bad year, you, you got to imagine that somewhere in there is going to be an, you know, an average year. Yep. Um, but they got a chance to prove me wrong. Um, but this was, I think, a, in a way, like a reality check that, A, Washington's not going anywhere. Um, and I, I think that's another thing to bring re- up. They're rebuilding. I, th- I feel, again, this is the new landscape of NCAA and college football and, and um, uh, the big five uh, that's probably going to be eliminated here pretty soon. Right. Washington's auditioning right now. Yeah. What conference wants us? Um, so I I think, I think they're kind of playing with a chip on their shoulder. Lucky for them. They drew a home game and everything fell in their favor. Um, but yeah, seemed to be a game that was awfully lopsided. Wow. News. (laughs) On a positive note. So obviously a lot of negative here. You, you lose a game. It's going to be negative. Uh, but on a positive note, MSU had, had a really nice goal line stand, uh, late in the first quarter when Washington ran the ball four times from the one yard line, which eventually led to Broussard's safety when he fell into the end zone. Uh, but the run defense in general w- w- was really solid. Only 106 yards um, on the ground. That, that's definitely a positive. Um, but when you throw on the ball like, at will like they were, that, that kind of will, will play a part. And I did want to bring up a, a Mel Tucker quote. He said, uh, we had a matchup issue that they took advantage of. It was obvious. It showed up early in the game. We knew it was going to uh, be a game of explosives. We knew that we needed to eliminate explosive gains, and we weren't able to do that. Uh, the Spartans had the worst pass defense in the country a season ago. Uh, and while there was hope kind of through through the first two games, uh, it had Im- that it improved. The Spartans' secondary was completely exposed by Washington. The Spartans surrendered nearly 400 yards passing in just three quarters, Washington's first punt came in the final minute of the third quarter, which is another just crazy, crazy part of the the issue here. And and, and MSU just seemed simply unprepared. They really did, and and they didn't show up, which 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 happens. I get all of that, but if you're gonna go in like so, heading into this game, everybody was talking about Spartans are, you know, ready to. They're, they changed their sleep schedule. They did this. They did that. And all of the players were talking about sleep bank and like all these things that were just cool, I guess. But if you're gonna talk all this hype of that you're kind of the smartest team in the in the world to go over to the that side of the country and, and be and find a way to perform, you're you're gonna take some heat when when you don't perform. You know what I mean? Maybe some unnecessary distractions. Yeah, you know that possibly. they kind of brought on themselves. Um, yeah, I, as much as that win is big for Washington, it's that big for Michigan to lose. You got to yeah. win that game, man. That's a non-conference game that maybe you can put on your resume if Washington finishes out their year. Yeah. Well, now, if Washington goes hot because they beat an 11 seeded team. Um, then you you know where do you where do you fall? I, I I'm just kind of blown away that the defense couldn't come up with a stop in yeah. the third quarter. Yep, and, and and Mel Tucker's the defensive coach. He was he came in as a defensive coach. He is he he took over the the DBs. Yeah, you know like this is his problem. Coming off a shutout, right? 
Yeah, they came off. Yeah, they're coming off a shutout, fifty-two nothing against Akron, was it? Maybe. Yeah. Um, but this is his. This, this is his specialty, if you will, that that's getting exposed the most, and I think that's a cause of concern. Um, I I don't know the answers. I don't I don't know if it's going to get fixed. I don't I don't know if this is an overreaction, but I think what it is 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 we talked about a lot of the. Um, potential flaws i think through through the first two weeks on this podcast we talked about it of of the stuff that we were like keep an eye on this this could be the issue i think all of those things that we talked we have talked about in the past couple weeks have been completely exposed by the first true test yeah definitely came to fruition they don't have kenneth walker <laughs> and and what they have rushing yards 42 rushing yards that's with that's, that's a head stretcher. And that is the biggest thing. And I, I talked about when you don't have a good offensive line, you don't have a second round talent in in the NFL draft. That's where it can get tough. And I've, I, you know, that's where it's really. I think where the, where where it's going to hurt. I, I really do. And even with the good numbers, I think Thorne looked uncomfortable again at times. I think um, his. <laughs> Offensive line really let him down, but when he, when they when they do, he looks very uncomfortable. He throws at feet. He throws some very questionable balls. And I, I, like I said, we talked about it last week or the week before. These are the things that we were talking about before this game, and now they get exposed by exposed even more um, when you when you lose this type of game that you weren't never even truly in. So I don't know if it's an overreaction. I really don't. Um, they have everything in front of them. Their their Big Ten future is right there. They just gotta they gotta find a way to respond. They really do. Yeah, I'm looking at at the at the box score here, and if I cover up the yards from so total from, yards, so from total yards to yards per play, and I just look at the second half of the box score, I, I imagine that's going to be a pretty close game. Yeah. So you got 24 to 21 first downs. You got seven of 16 to seven of 16 third down conversions. Fourth down conversions very very similar. Total plays very close. Punts close. Penalties close. Everything was close. Yeah. Time of possession. Led in time possession, too, for Michigan State and came up with, yeah, 150 less yards. Yeah. Um, oh, man, I don't, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I hope that it was just them going to the West Coast and it's a one-time thing and they're going to come back and have a solid year still. Which, yep. I want the Big Ten to be competitive. I'm not yeah. rooting against Michigan State, um, but – I feel like you gotta have a little more of a showing in a game like this against Washington. Yeah, it just makes it makes the Big Ten look look bad. Um, makes Michigan State look bad. It re- it really does. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch. State of my sports. Michigan beat another bad team. Uh, this time it was the UConn Huskies, 59-0, to uh, behind a dominant offense, defense, and special teams. On the offensive side, uh, they put up 465 yards, uh, 273 passing, 192 on the ground, uh, with a 6.7 yards per play average. They had 26 first downs and went 9 of 13 on third down. J.J. went 15 of 18 for 214 yards. Blake Corum had 71 yards on 12 carries in tying a school record. Five touchdowns. Uh, the defensive side, uh, they allowed 24 uh, passing yards, 86 rushing yards for a total of 110 yards against Michigan's defense, which is that's just impressive. The Huskies had 
six first downs, two of 14 on third down, 0 for two on fourth. And then the special team side, Michigan had a blocked punt, also had a punt return for a touchdown uh, on a 61-yard return. Look, I mean, really not a whole lot to to really talk about in this game, and, and I get that. They're like, Michigan State had their, their first game. It was their first true test. Mm-hmm. They lost that test. Michigan has yet to face that. I get all of these conversations. I'm not going to pretend that, oh, well, week three, Michigan did this, State did this, and that's where it's even. No, this is a completely different level of opponent. Michigan's got the fifth toughest strength of schedule through three weeks. <laughs> no, we all know that. We know they're playing cakewalks right now, and yeah. this is how you're supposed to play. They covered the spread, which I didn't think they were going to do. I thought UConn was going to find a way to yeah. score like a touchdown and maybe like onside kick something and get a field goal out of the deal. Um but that's pretty impressive to only give up 110 yards of total offense. Yeah. I don't care what team you're playing. Appalachian State puts up more yards than that, right? <laughs> and that yeah. was always the joke, you know. Um, Jim Mora is the coach for UConn, once an NFL coach. Yeah. Uh, he's bounced around. Personally, I feel like any NFL coach that goes back down and coaches college football gets more than 110 yards out of their offense in a, on a Saturday. Yeah. Um, I, wish I, I wish I had his quote, but it was something along the lines of, yeah, that's that's a a championship contender. This doesn't happen to my teams. Very, very, period. yeah, very high praise to Jim Harbaugh and his staff. Yeah, um, which is great to know because uh, you know we kind of lost a few guys at coordinator over the years. Yep. Um Gaddis and both, both and coordinators. Others. Yeah, so it's good to know that you know they're still just completely dominating these teams that they should dominate, but they dominated. They did. They, they really did. There's just, like I said, not a whole lot to unpack, but I didn't no. want to bring up a couple things. Yeah, yeah. We don't have, yeah. We, I mean, there's really not a whole lot to talk about in this yeah. game. Like, we're not going to bore you guys, trust me. As much as I'd love to sit and talk about Michigan for the next 45 minutes, I don't think we need to and do that, And right? just hype. You know, yeah, Michigan State's a little bit down. So Pump let's, their tires. Yeah, let's, let's lift ourselves <laughs> yeah, I'm down up a little you. bit. You want to yeah. do that? Yeah. <laughs> no. uh, we'll wait for that. Washington uh, sucks. Just a couple yeah. things that really stuck out to me. And this, this, is, this is one little thing, and... Take it or leave it. I don't really care. But this was uh, a drive midway through the second quarter. And to say uh, the least, it was a bad drive. It looked like J.J. was kind of told to, all right, you're not running the ball anymore. You're done running. Still keep the same game plan. Um, But you're going to hand the ball off. And he did. He kept handing it off, and it looked like the running back was getting hit as the game, the ball was getting It was just, it was... The, the drive was out of sorts, and it was a little dis- disappointing. But I just remember the, the last play of that drive was J.J. kind of running around, scrambling, waiting for someone to, to get open. It was third and long. Everybody knows it was a bad drive. And instead of forcing it, he threw the ball away. And, look, we know J.J. has the better arm. And this is going back to the Cade-J.J. argument, and I, I know this will probably be the last week of that. But we know J.J. has the better arm. We know he has the better legs. We know he has the a little bit more pinpoint accuracy downfield, what it turns into, like, short-term, who, who knows that about the accuracy thing. But the biggest question was, will he take care of the football? That's what everybody was saying. Well, will he take care of the football? Can can you trust him to, to run the offense correctly, or is he just going to force the ball? Is he going to take care of it? Is he going to turn it over? That right there was just, like, a sign. He knew that this drive was freaking awful. Not going anywhere. It wasn't going anywhere, but w- instead of forcing it, he was just like, I'll throw it away. Yeah, should I get a first down against UConn? Yeah, I should. But I don't need to. I don't need to prove anything. I'm just going to get rid of the ball, live to see another day, not turn it over, take care of that football. It was so nice to see that. Again, 
against UConn, all of those things, blah, blah, blah. It was nice to see, in my opinion. Absolutely. Uh, it, it, it eliminates a interception on his season totals right out the, the get-go. Yep. And unless it's a touchdown, you know, it's just, it's just another third-down conversion. Yep. At the end of the day, grand scheme of things. Um, I think it was the bigger move by the guy. It's shown that he's constantly thinking out yep. there. Yeah. And you're going to face tougher defenses than UConn. So you should just take that opportunity of being able to scramble and, and have some time for something to open up to you yep. and chalk that up as a win. And, again, not turn the ball over. Don't make some bonehead play. Don't get hurt. Don't throw your shoulder out. Yep. Let it go. Let your defense continue to do what they're doing it's UConn at the end of the day game's pretty much out of hand um yeah you want to be dominant you want to see 100 points yeah on the board but let's face it it's reality yep and and Carrie kind of came in and said she said just simply go blue yep agree with that but she said it was just a mature decision it yeah. really was and that's exactly what we need to see from a true sophomore if he's going to be the one running this, this show yeah and we want this thing to be successful um the other thing that kind of stood out was the Cade injury. Uh, sounds like he's going to be out for several weeks. Um, who, who knows what? I mean, the thing was a leg injury, but um, it just sucks. It, it puts more pressure on JJ, and like we we know who the starter is. We it has it doesn't affect any of that. But what I am worried about it affecting is JJ's decision to hold on to the ball and run. You know what I mean? If you don't have the security blanket on the sidelines there. Are you going to be willing to risk it? You know, risk it for the biscuit, or are you going to, are they going to change the play calling a little bit more to not run the ball as much? You know, like that's what came to mind. It wasn't necessarily, do I think we're going to lose because we lost our backup quarterback now? No, like that shouldn't matter unless it changes the play calling. That's where I'm going to be like, mother effort. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's where it could really, really hurt. Um, but again, they haven't had their test yet. And look, Maryland, far from being the test that I think Michigan fans want to, to know yet, I guess. I mean, or Michigan really needs, you yeah. know, because our 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 sights are set pretty high. Yeah. It's just that I just look at this game and it's the first time that I think they could be punched in the mouth and how they're going to respond uh, could be very interesting. You got t- – Tonga Viola uh, is, is a upperclassman quarterback with, with a couple wide receiver weapons. I just look at the offense, their offense against our defense. This will be a good test for our defense. Absolutely. Um, you got you got their wide receivers. You got the quarterback, and then you also got uh, Roman Hembley, who, who's a legitimate running back. He, he has 294 yards uh, this season on 32 carries for a 9.18 average. Like this is a legitimate wide receiver, or sorry, running back where. If Michigan can't stop them, that's when the red flags go up. Yeah. If they can, that's where you get a little bit more excited. Where, look, you you can stand up to the, the Michigan State's running game. You can stand up against Penn State's running game. Look at look out for Penn State right now. Their, their running game is out of this world. But like you have all these teams coming up where this is slowly progressing into the the you know being tested. Yeah. It's a perfect matchup in this in this point right now. Um, a nice easy ramp. We yeah. don't want anything too drastic. Exactly. We don't want anything to be too boring until Ohio State comes around, you know? Yep. Um, yeah, I think with everything that you lost on the defensive side of the ball last year, um, 
this will be a true test to see what we have with our defense. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and uh, you know where we stand on the national. Look, level. we saw what happened to Michigan State when they played a, a legitimate quarterback, that a veteran quarterback in, yeah. in this in this college football. This is what Michigan's going to be facing. Yeah, to his brother is is that he's he's been there, done that. He can think his way through a lot of situations. Um, on that side of the ball, I'm excited to see what Michigan how they respond. Now the other side. The defense, no good. Maryland's defense still has is not ready um, to to you know put that that pressure on on a on a team. You know, yeah. Um, their their defense is still uh, they they've given up 410 yards per game, 273 passing, 118 rushing, and 19.3 points per game against Buffalo, Charlotte, SMU. So I'm not gonna go look. I'm saying this. Michigan goes out and wins this game by thirty. I'm not being like, yeah, this that shows them we got our finally got our first take. This is not a a test, in my opinion, on that side of the ball. If we can outscore this team, that th- th- that should be a gimme. Yeah, I think we're learning about it, about our defense. We're not learning anything about our offense. That's no. the way I'm going to sit and look at this game. I feel like they're just going to run the ball down their throat. And it's going to give JJ yeah. all the time in the world. Drop Don't back. Do it again. Yeah, you got a couple guys that can make a big play catching the ball. I think the ball is going to move up and down the field real quick on the offensive side. Can we slow them down on defense? Can we hold them? Can we contain them and frustrate a quarterback like you said that has experience and has thrown the ball for a long time? Uh, can probably make the plays with the best of them. Um, let's get the best out of our defense. Yeah, I, I'm. I'm excited to see what happens as soon as that. As soon as, as soon as it all of it kind of keeps going. If it's craft beer in Michigan sports, we may not be the authority, but we love both like a fat kid loves cake. Hot, hot! This is State of My Sports. We're cruising. We are cruising into our picks. Oh, that's the wrong button. Into our picks. We're already I'm, in the picks. I'm waiting. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for you to get into the the. the have you, have you the, dug the, into yours yet? Yeah, the second beer grade. Oof. No, all right. I cracked this one up open when you went upstairs to check on what whatever check was on in the, the oven. Hard boiled eggs. Yeah. Um, and the aroma caught me first, and I was super excited off of the smell. Oh. It's 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 kind of potent. Is that Amarillo hops or something? Uh, what was it? No, it was uh. Is that the Phantasm powder? Yeah. Now, the smell and the flavor, the taste, they're they're not the same. Nope. No, I was thinking the exact same thing when you said that. But then you got to remember that it's a double IPA, right? Okay. So maybe that's that where that... My, that was a terrible pour. Mine was pretty foamy, too. It's probably just because it's a fresh brew. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Brand yeah. new. Yeah. No label yet for the can. Yeah. Just rocking the classic Detroit Lions... Honolulu blue right there in the middle. Lost Art brew can. That is nice. Um, um, it's a good beer, though. Yeah, so the the sip of foam that I had was good. We'll see. We'll <laughs> see when I get to the actual beer. Um, but I did want to give a quick shout-out to our sponsor, BettingHero.com. Promo code MIBETS. What you do, if you're interested in, in betting on sports, you go to BettingHero.com, plug in promo code MIBETS, and they will lay out all of the best promotions available in the sports betting world, all of them. You have BetMGM. Fox Bets, um, FanDuel, DraftKings, all of them are there, and they all are want your money so badly they're willing to give you free money because they think they can wrap you in. Um, but, I don't know, 
just do that if you're interested in sports betting world, and then you can check all the lines out and all that good stuff. You guys know the drill. If you don't remember, listen to the last episode. I probably explained it better. I just remember that. Um, but last week, Micah went six and two for fifteen and ten overall. Ryan four and four for fifteen and ten overall. I went seven and one. Oh boy, for thirteen and twelve. I'm above five hundred. Nice. Yeah, I've had bad. a couple of, like really subpar weeks <laughs> in a row since the first week. Yeah, so you went four and four. You're twelve and thirteen overall. Kyle went three and five. 14 and 11 overall. So I got everybody's picks here. I actually didn't get your pick for the first for this game. So don't look at the score. I know. I just penciled it in. <laughs> Anyways, we're going to start with our Thursday night pick. This is supposed to be on Tuesday, obviously, uh, a couple days late here. But, anyways, Thursday night football Steelers at the Browns. Browns were a five and a half point favorite. I had the Steelers. Ryan had the Steelers. Mike had the Steelers. Kyle had the Steelers. John. Who did you have before this game started? All right, so I didn't look at the scoreboard until just now, but what I looked at was everybody's picks. I'm going to go against the field here. You're going to go Browns plus I'm gonna five go, and a half. I'm going to go Browns and try to make up a game here on this overall schedule. Otherwise, I'm still going to be under 500. They also have a 13-7 to seven lead, so that's a very smart pick. For Is you. that six right now? <laughs> six points. Six points. I, did, I don't know. Trubisky's looking hot. I'm a Pickens touchdown away from being real happy. DeAndre or Deontay Johnson, he's had a couple catches in a row. I, I don't even know how they scored any of the points. <laughs> I haven't been watching any of the game. Uh, Najee um, Harris got a touchdown, which is also another bet of mine. Okay, so, yeah, I'm just going against the field on that one, but we can Sun- move on. Sunday Night Football, 49ers at the Broncos. Broncos plus one and a half. Ryan and Mike are taking 49ers. Kyle's taking the Broncos. I'm taking the Broncos. What are you doing, John? I'm going Broncos as well. I think uh, Russell Wilson needs a big week for me for fantasy football purposes, and I just don't know that the 49ers are going to have enough to come into Denver and do home anything. Home underdog is always so intriguing to me. It is hard to take a home, or it's hard not to take a home underdog, in my opinion. Uh, last NFL game, we got the Lions at the Vikings. We all got the Lions. John, what are you doing? I'm. I'm trying to make up two Sorry, games. Vikings minus five and a half. Yeah, I got, I'm got. i trying to make up two games on the field. I'll go Vikings. I want the Lions to win. I'm just doing this for the betting hero purposes. Honestly, of this spe- I almost took the Vikings as well just because, you, I mean, I feel like Kirk win Cousins, by a touchdown is yeah, pretty. I feel like Kirk Cousins is gonna ha- has to have a bounce back game. Yeah. Um, I guess uh, we'll kind of see what happens. And if they can get the running game going with Alvin Cook, it might be a scary one for Detroit. Jumping over to some college. College football is very, very hard to bet on. It is what it is, though. Um, at the noon slot, you got number five, Clemson. At number 21, Wake Forest. Wake Forest, seven-point underdog. They're getting seven points in this game. Micah taking Wake Forest. Kyle, Ryan, and myself are all taking Clemson. I don't know why. I feel like I got to take Clemson or Wake Forest here, but I'm just going to take Clemson. I don't know. I'm going to go Clemson as well. Yeah. Uh, looks like Micah's going to try to make one up on the rest of us. Uh, yep. Micah is on an island there, but I kind of like the island he's on. I really do. Seems like a nice little spot there. Uh, moving on to a 7 o'clock game. You got number 10, Arkansas, at number 23, Texas A&M. Texas A&M, a two-and-a-half-point favorite at home against Number 10, Arkansas. Ryan's taking Arkansas. Mike is taking Arkansas. Kyle and I are taking A&M. John, be the tiebreaker here. I'll join you and Kyle with the Texas A&M. I feel like they were a better team preseason. I know they lost a, a little weird one there. What was that, week two? 
Map State? Yeah. I, oh, man, I don't know. That's a tough one. Arkansas 10 versus number 23. Uh, it's a tough game. I, I don't know. I'm just going to favor with the hometown crowd there. All right. Moving on to some Big Ten. You got Wisconsin at Ohio State. Ohio State 18-point favorite. Ryan's taking Wisconsin. Kyle's taking Wisconsin. Mike and I are taking OSU. Another tie-breaking opportunity here for you, John. I'm going to side with Kyle on this one and not you on this one. I'm going to go Wisconsin. I think they're going to make it a close enough game. I think Ohio State is going to be exposed a little bit. Maybe Wisconsin's offensive line can keep the ball in their hands for a little bit and not give Ohio State enough possessions to cover 18 points. I I think that's a good idea. I don't think Wisconsin's going to win the game. I think, I think it gonna, could be a backdoor cover I type think, thing. I think it's going to be a close game. Like, I, yeah. I, Ohio State hasn't looked insanely good yet. I think this is really will tell us more about Wisconsin rather than anybody else. Yeah, I, I don't think Ohio State has really put the foot on the gas pedal yeah. yet this season. And I know they got a new kind of kind of new wide receiver regime, too. Mm-hmm. You know, losing Alave and Garrett Wilson. Um I think it'll be a breakout game, but I just hope that Wisconsin can keep it like a two-score game. All right, jumping into the Michigan game. It's a noon start. You got Maryland at number four, Michigan. Michigan's 17-point favorite. We're all taking Michigan. John, do you agree? Or is this another one of your opportunities? I picked UConn to lose last week by like 40 points instead of 49 and a half or whatever (laughs) it was on Tuesday. So I'm going to do Jim Harbaugh a favor and everybody else here. We're going to ride that boat is full of Michigan. I'll I'll go Michigan to cover that 17 points. All right. Last but not least, you got the 330 game Minnesota at Michigan State. Michigan State, a two and a half point home underdog. Dog. Everybody dogs. was losing it when they were underdogs heading into Washington. It obviously made sense once once we got there and everything kind of fell into place here. But, man, Ryan and, and Mike are taking Minnesota. Kyle and I are taking MSU. I'm just going to take the home underdog at this point. Just, it just makes sense, I guess. But, I don't know. What I, haven't, doing, John? I haven't seen much out of Minnesota this year. What are they doing? What's PJ? They have got the going number on? one offense and number one defense so far, but they haven't played a whole lot so. in the uh, Big Ten. Yeah. All right, give me, give me Minnesota. I mean, I'm sorry, that State is fans. Such a tough I'm, game. I feel like I bashed you earlier. I, I wasn't trying to. I don't know. I just that is a tough game. I. I wouldn't be surprised if that changes a little bit. Come I don't game think we day, need to apologize because they kind of deserve to be trashed a little bit, right? I feel like they were on a little high horse there for a minute, and yeah. now they're back on the mini pony like mm-hmm. you all got to start off at. You know, let's take a step back. We thought Jim Harbaugh was going to win us a national championship year <laughs> two, and it didn't happen either. Come on now. All right. Well, that was those were the picks of the week, so we're going to jump in. Actually, let me just do a buffer here. Drinking craft beer, having fun, and talking sports in the state of Michigan. You're listening to State of My Sports. So we're drinking from Lost Art Brew, Brew House, or brew, yeah, Brew House. Uh, so we started off with the the Oktoberfest, uh, and then we moved on to this this IPA, this IPA man. Oh my gosh, Star Party. Packs a punch, like flavor-wise, oh weight, 
it's not overbearing by any means. It's got the smell. It's got a taste. It's it's super unique for this a is, double IPA. I wonder if it's that fan, phantasm powder. I don't know. What is that? Is that a new thing? Is that going to be like the next Idaho 7 hops? You know what I mean? Like when all of a sudden those came re- really popular? I think. What is going on with this? Like, I think it, we might have to revisit both of these beers when both of the other guys or all of us are here. Right? Because they're both very, very good, and I would like to see a little more description on this one. Yeah, so that obviously we don't know a whole lot. Actually, if you could, can you describe the, the Oktoberfest? Read everybody what it is. I'm, what I'm going to do is look up their, their Instagram, see if their, their uh, star party is on there. All right, so yeah, the Oktoberfest, uh, 5.8% alcohol by volume. Uh, traditional German-style lager. It's filled with rich, flavorful malts and balanced by lightly floral hops. It posts with glowing, it pours with glowing orange hues in the glass, and exudes vibrant, bready malt aromatics while finishing crisp and clean. Just think of crisp and clean and Oktoberfest, and just combine the three together. It's a. That's a very good description. Huh? Oh, I would. We could have just graded that one. I could have had a couple of those tonight. And that's, again, rare for me when it comes to October beers, fall beers. Fall and winter turns around. I, I want to drink something light because I don't want to feel heavy out there in the snow and I'm shoveling snow. It's it's a great beer. It's a great transition. Um, to the fall. To the fall. It, it First looked, day of fall today. It, yeah, it was. Uh, and it felt like it, too. Um, yeah, it <laughs> It poured a little bit darker in the glass, and I'm 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 hesitant when it comes to darker beers in general. It doesn't matter. Same with whiskeys. The darker, the more I'm kind of yeah. leaning on. Um, but this one was good, man. It was this, good. This it, is worthy of like being on shelves. I'm sorry, like I, everywhere <laughs> you look. I'm not a Sam Adams Oktoberfest beer. Yeah. They got an October one, right? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. there's a couple out there. Maybe that's because they're made in huge batches and they just don't taste that good this was a dang good beer it is really good and i'm worried because october is coming around and it's just gonna appeal to me more and more as these uh days go by but no solid beer i don't know if you want my grade right now yeah yeah let's do let's grade the oktoberfest i'm gonna throw an 8.0 i wanted to go 8.1 but an 8 it's an eight. It's an eight category beer, in my opinion, and that's speaking highly on other beers uh, yeah. surrounded by the Oktoberfest theme that I would not rank in the. Yeah, sixes. I look. I'm right there with you. I'm not big on the German style. I'm not big on on the Oktoberfest beers. Like that's just not up my alley. I would go there and I would order this. Absolutely. Which is saying a whole lot because those are the last things that I ever go in and order at a brewery. Yeah. It's just not what I do. That is a well done beer, and honestly, like if you love Oktoberfest, I don't know if this fits fits your goal. You know what I mean? Like that's where I I kind of play that that yeah maybe like it might not fit the the mold if you will, and that yeah. might be what I like about it. Yeah. Um, but I I would love to know like what highly German style beer enthusiasts would like like think of this because I love it. I want to drink that thing out of a boot. Like put this, fill that boot up and I want to DOS boot it. You know yeah, what I mean? I mean, it, it has not, not, not a trap boot, like a yellow <laughs> that he has to do for a bet, but like a glass boot and like you got to do the twist. You might have there. a couple of those coming up here by the <laughs> yeah. end of the year. Um, yeah. But I just think that um, it's got the, the flavor profile of an October beer. Yeah. I, I, I'm going to, I'm going to, 
match your grade with an 8.0. 8.0? Very, very I solid that, beer. I think that's a good baseline. Big fan. I, I think we need Ryan's opinion on this one. That would be, yeah. Drastically, and yeah. I think Micah's on the double IPA Yeah, so well. so let's talk a little bit about that. So I didn't, couldn't find any more information about Star Party, um, but it is 8.7% alcohol by volume, pro-am beer, uh, brewed by Paul Aaron's, um, double West Coast IPA with Phantasm Powder. You should Google Phantasm. I should. What, what does that mean? Do you know I don't. What I, mean? I don't know. It's got to be up there with fantastic. Uh, I'm looking it up right now. And maybe another word that ends in asm. I Fan can't say right now on air. <laughs> but going back to the Oktoberfest, like you said, maybe this doesn't reach uh, the the um, marquee fans of October beers. I wonder if they think it's maybe too light. But I feel like it's got everything there of an October beer. It just a little more enjoyable to drink. So So I did find out what Phantasm powder is. All right. Uh-oh. So the product is a powder derived in New Zealand marble Sauvignon Blanc Sauvignon Blanc grapes, which are rich in th- oh man, words I cannot read. You can read this. That's what they use me. for wine, right? Yeah. Which Sauvignon there was did we, we actually did a beer that had some Sauvignon I think it was a, a Arvon beer, right? That did some Sauvignon Blanc beer, like grapes or something? Yeah. It was, oh, I feel like it had red in the name too, didn't it? Yeah, I think yeah. it was like a, yeah. Can you read that? Because there are some words in there that I can Marlboro Sauvignon Blanc grapes, which are rich in thiol precursors that are known for creating aromas of citrus, guava, and passion fruit. See, I could. I, I wouldn't could, say fruity. I wouldn't. I, I, I'm surprised that it had fruit in it. I think like when the I, fruit. Yeah, fruit. when I when I cracked the can and got Could the smell. first the first aroma, I was like, "Oh man, this is like a citrusy double IPA." Yeah, it's not citrusy in flavor. No, I agree with that. Um, maybe a little bit and a hint of the aroma. The smell is way different than the so taste. Yeah, when I smell it, I smell hops personally. Yeah. Yeah. But when I like, it's not hoppy to the t- to the palate, in my opinion. I got like a back end like. Citral. Yeah. But the taste isn't that. Man, I'd be and it's strong. These are the times that I wish we had more people. Yeah. This, like, no, this, I want to know what people think about this. This one thing. is a unique beer. This one is very um, good. I think again, I think both of these beers are worth grading in a group setting. Yeah. Um Ryan, Micah, on that note, we miss you guys. We wish you were here. We hope you listen <laughs> to the replay tomorrow when you're bored at work or yeah. using the facilities. Exactly. Um, so I I'm gonna grade it first. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go with the eight three. I think this is a v- excellent, excellent beer. I really do. Um, and it it's more my style, which is probably why I get the three extra points, you know, in this this situation. But it's got it's like a, a good beer. it's got like a strong, unique flavor. And like sometimes double IPAs are just like heavy on the hop flavor as well. Yeah, yeah. Like the smell and the hop like transition together. But it's not that it doesn't feel that heavy. Is eight point seven? It drinks smoother than that for I sure. I think it drinks smoother than the eight point seven. I'll be reminded in the morning when I wake up and hop in the shower <laughs> yeah, we'll see, before we'll I go see to what work. Kind of headaches we get. Hopefully, I don't fall. We should over. regrade every morning. Be like, um, yeah, this gave me a four point three <laughs> headache. Yeah, just uh, a Richter scale of migraines. <laughs> exactly. Oh man, this is a solid beer too. I, and I think of Arvon when I think of 
double IPA, IPAs. Yeah, double, yeah. double or triple IPAs. Arvon are my favorite. This, is this one's a little bit smoother, but I think it's got everything that an Arvon double IPA would have weight-wise, yeah. um, content-wise, I guess. I'm telling you, All right. what Lost Art is doing, they are, Man. in my opinion, up and coming. This is- Up and coming brew, brewery, brew house, whatever you want to say, because they make incredible beer. What they're doing in that little space that they have is is unbelievable. Um, they're working on some things. They got that the burger truck. They got another one in the making. Like I'm telling you, dude, look out for them because this they could make some noise here soon. If they start distributing, if if they can kind of keep up with that capacity and also keep the the brew house full, like they're gonna make some noise in in the the West Michigan rest or brew brewery community, if you will. I mean, they already had my respects when it came to the beer. Yeah, and man, I just see these mouth-watering pictures of some burgers on Those their burgers on, their, so good. on their Smash Burger uh, Instagram page. Man, the this this one's a tough one to grade. <laughs> yeah, like I don't want to shoot too high, right? Like, what's what's too? If you high? love it, you love it, man. I'm gonna go eight point five, and I think that's about the second or third beer that's hit that tier for me. Yeah, on the podcast. I bet you, yeah, you're probably right. I know like the that double. Is, the that double, is a very good beer. The double, double hutch, hutch got a nine point seven. That's what I was drinking. It earlier. was draft it was night, hutch. and it was you know I had to go off the number on the jersey, <laughs> um, which seven. was a great beer. Man, this one's in that same category. That is a good beer. I'm gonna go eight point five, and that might be that might I, be selling it a little bit short. I hope that this becomes a staple because it, I don't know they every they've what. Lost Art does is they they do a great job of, of kind of rotating the taps and making new stuff, making new recipes, all of that good stuff. Brad does a great job with that. But then when they get that hit, they continue to bring it back and they make it a staple that I think is important and I hope that this becomes one. Now, I don't know who Paul Aarons is. I don't know if this is like a, a joint brew, like anything like that. I have no clue. Um, but I know Aaron's is a it's big name in the West Michigan. Probably going to be short lived, so I highly recommend going to Lost Art and and getting that along with a burger um, here very soon because that is an unreal beer. We definitely got to get good. we got to get back up there. And yeah. shout out shout out to Big Drew when he came on. Yeah, yeah. good good dude, good solid dude. We should um, have him back on. I know he's he's loving what he's doing in life right now. He's always just. I, I know he's connected, and I know that's where we hung out with him that night. Yeah. He's always sharing Lost Art stuff on Instagram. Yeah, yeah. And props to, yeah, props to Big Drew. Yeah, we should get him back. I I definitely want to get back up there and just drink some beers and maybe get a burger prior to the show recording. But if we can get up there for a broadcast again, that'd be great. If not, I'm down to go We should just go. Yeah, let's do it. We should. Let's seriously do it. Yeah. We really should. But, man, that... Great beer. Shout out to Lost Art. You guys did a great job. We got a couple great ones here. It just, I mean, doesn't doesn't get any better than that. Let's be honest. It really doesn't. That was awesome. But um, that was episode 174? 74. We're getting up there. Thank you very much for being here. Thursday night. Thank you all for watching. Thank you all for listening. It's a late one, but we'll talk to you next week, if not sooner. You've been listening to State of My Sports. From the Red Wings to the Lions, to the Tigers to the Pistons, to Michigan and Michigan State, and everything in between, we're talking about it. And don't forget the beer.
We hope you enjoyed the show. Make sure to like, rate, and review. In the meantime, hook up with us on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Twitch at State of My Sports with an M-I. We'll see you next time.